people. Welcome to another episode of Not So Giant Women, Steven Universe discussion podcast with Ivy and Daria. Hi. And for our winter forecast. You got any forecasts? <laughs> Maybe this is when winter finally properly comes to Beach City. <laughs> if it really was Halloween last week, we're getting to the end of the year. And who knows what weather conditions are like in Delmarva, whether they get proper winters and seasons there. Yeah, you know, if Delmarva being kind of Virginia, Delaware, Maryland, north of where I grew up, and where I grew up, we had snow. So I guess they could have a, a traditional kind of winter, even in, you know, if Delmarva is in a similar geographical situation. Yeah, of course. <sighs> Who knows what all this magic and things might do to the climate? Guess we're about to find out, eh? Yeah, let's go. All right. Crystal gems will always save the day. And if you think we can, we'll always find. Oh, it's nice. So sweet. Love it. Ah, that is lovely. Yeah. Okay, well, Ganassi was called Winter Forecast. Yeah. We joined Stephen and Connie in the beach house in the middle of a snowstorm, toasting marshmallows by the fire. Nice bit of marshmallow toasting animation, I've got to add. And they're kind of having fun talking about the animal bride products in marshmallows. And the other gems come in and see they're all having a good time. Connie gets a call from her mum saying, basically, look, it's super stormy out there. Don't want you getting snowed in, so you'd better come home. And you get a ride back, otherwise your dad will have to come and pick you up this is alarming we quickly find out that connie's dad despite all of his beliefs has no snow driving skill whatsoever so they figure they better get to greg so he can drive them back stephen wants to delay and show a youtube video they remind him that this is pressing garnet kisses him on the forehead as they leave for a bunch of sparkles at at greg's they're a bit critical of greg's cherry pattern sweater Guess Greg does like cherries. He thinks everyone likes cherries. They say if he wants to make a good impression as a responsible parent, he should change a sweater. So we get a bit of a montage of him trying on all sorts of sweaters and outfits. And yes, I did notice that the first one was the sweater he wore last time and he met the Maheshwans. But he finally concludes in an Ava style disco suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the best outfit. Yeah, which is best and as they drive back, the snowstorm and the snow, they get thicker until Greg and the van veer off the road and crash into a snowdrift. I figure they better be responsible and try to get Connie home. So they walk out through the snow, make it to her home. Her parents are unimpressed with this sight of Greg and the frozen children and his lack of transport and having to stay there. And as... Greg follows the parents as they go to set up the couch. He catches a few of the pattern the on the cape, if you will, of Greg's outfit. And this kind of flashes in his eyes and on the screen for us. And suddenly he's back in the van in the snowdrift. And Stephen says, it'll be safer if we stay here in the van rather than try to go get snowed out. And so they camp out in the van for a while, eat some waffles from the waffle iron Greg has on hand. Then Connie gets another call saying, are you still at Stephen's house? And she's like... No, and she's like, right, well, I'm sending your dad out. Connie probably should have called her mom already, but dad tries to drive out to them, but his snow driving is no good. Even though they see him coming, he can't stop the car. And there's another moment of panic. And Stephen is suddenly back several minutes again, back with Greg and his cherry jumper and the van before they all left. Stephen just chucks the keys into the snow drift. Greg says he won't be able to find them till spring and... It says it won't be safe to drive. Again, they've decided the safest bet is to head back to the beach house. Connie gets a call from her mother again, and Stephen tries to warn her about the, what he's seen a few minutes ahead of her dad trying to drive in the snow. He defends himself as being quite a good snow driver. Throws the cell phone into the snow. They make it back to the house, and the other three gems, the three grown-up gems, if you will, are forming some process over the warp pad where they're sending some kind of crystal structure, which it sounds like is intended to destroy the galaxy warp to make it harder for any homeworld gems to get in. 
It's obviously a very delicate process. So Stephen calls out, hey, what you doing? Which distracts Pearl enough to drop the crystal, which then flips Stephen back a few minutes or probably a couple hours again until he is now just after Garnet kissed him on the forehead. And she says she managed to pass her ability to him for just a few moments. And all of the stuff we've been seeing and he's been experiencing are future visions of what could happen in various scenarios of trying to get Connie home, then figures the best and safe decisions to leave. Right now, get into the Mr. Universe van of Greg, complete with his cherry jumper, and they make it back to Connie's house in plenty of time to not have got crashed or snowed or any of the rest of it. Connie's dad likes Greg's jumper. When the universes are about to leave again, Dr. Maheshran says that they probably better come in and stay the night. It's safer. The snow is getting worse. And as we and Stephen have seen how quickly the snow gets worse, we know she's right. So they make up the couch. The universes are sleeping on the couch, or rather Greg is sleeping. Stephen is half sleeping when Connie comes down and sits next to the couch and they can watch the snow outside together and we go to credit. So it was quite a sweet thing with Stephen and Connie wanting to watch the snow together and finally getting to. And yeah. we finally got what we're hoping for and it's just you know, no dialogue or anything, just sort of atmosphere. They're sharing a moment and it's beautiful. Yeah, and Stephen even possibly learned a lesson along the way. Can't believe it. <laughs> There's always that caveat of Stephen learning a lesson. He may have forgotten it entirely by tomorrow morning. Yeah. Mm. So that's another pretty weird episode, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, there's no sort of battle conflict or anything. We get, I suppose we expanded on what was kind of the product of our discussion a few episodes back with how future vision worked in that Stephen saw various outcomes and probabilities based on something that was incredibly likely how the snowstorm would go and patterning various decisions around it until he can make the call himself that the best call is to essentially jump straight in the van and get Connie home. And in a kind of cosmic karmic, if you like, thing, he still gets what they wanted at the start of the episode, which is to watch the snow together. So it's in some ways a reward for his responsibility, if you like. I don't know if karma exists in the Steven Universe universe, but it seemed to pay off here. Yeah, that is an interesting kind of payoff of it that he had to learn, okay, yeah, it's not going to be the funnest thing that she has to leave right now, which really took me back kind of like, I don't want my friend to go. So, you know, I've hidden her shoes and she can't leave because we can't find her shoes, you know, (laughs) like that kind of stuff. It's like, no, she has to stay, you know, but yeah, it's the responsible thing to do and then they still got to quote be snowed in together unfortunately there's not always a rosy little future like that waiting for you when you make the right decisions but it's nice he had a good experience and we saw more of connie's parents show that they're not just strict unreasonable people as they've been shown a bit to be in the past and they were compassionate indeed happy for the universes to stay rather than just head out and so they're obviously warming up to them a bit mm-hmm. I'm impressed by greg's jumper because well we've seen him eat cherries before we know he likes cherries he likes cherries <laughs> i'm a cherry man <laughs> yeah. so that, was my, <laughs> that was my first thought of when he tried when he was trying to get some cherries when he didn't have a broken leg Right. Yeah. When I did the that recipe, actually, when I did Greg's secret meal from house guest, I called it Cherry Man's secret meal. <laughs> but, you know, I can't make that reference to you at the time, but now I can. <laughs> cherry Man! It's a very strange thing to say, but it just, it felt organic, you know. It's cute. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The experience of him having the future visions was sort of a jarring idea because the way it was presented was not just like a bunch of alternate futures. It was like the first one happened and then the second one was aware of the first one. It's like, wait, what happened? He was disoriented. He was thinking he was living these things. He wasn't aware that they were visions. So it was like basically taking him completely out of reality. And he thought things were repeating and, you know, 
I mean, a part of it's probably for us as an audience to, to be like, what is going on? Stephen keeps experiencing different futures. But to imagine that maybe that's the way that Garnet does it is very disconcerting to think like just in a moment, in a moment, she might be living a bunch of very disturbing futures and nothing shows on the outside. <laughs> and she has to in- incorporate that into her reaction. She might be she might be going into a battle and then having that happen. <laughs> She's sort of ridiculous. sitting through a getting killed over and over or something. Steven saw several bad endings. The first one was just kind of embarrassing and disappointing. But the second one is his, uh, Connie's dad slamming into their van. And then the last one was presumably the whole place getting obliterated from that exploding crystal. Yeah. So in that sense, the big Groundhog Day that, yeah. that when you die, the loop kicks back. Though, of course, he's in this case, he's only experience it not truly going through time over and over again yeah so it's kind of weird that all of those things that we saw didn't actually happen yeah i mean this also could be how he's processing it because this is this is his first time with future vision whereas garnet's had it for however many bajillion years right Mm. and she would probably recognize the signs of this suddenly being a scenario that she's Mm. being shown yeah and in fact she didn't say i'm going to give you my abilities for a few moments she did that afterwards yep no no concerns about confusing the hell out of her ward just then right yeah I like how they kind of remind you right at the beginning that Garnet is agreeing with the weather forecast. Oh, it's definitely going to snow so that Stephen has an excuse to mention future vision that we just learned about a couple episodes ago. And I also think that that set up the parameters again nicely by showing us that she sees outcomes and probabilities. So the one constant in all this is that the snow gets worse and thicker at this rate over this time because nothing nothing they do is going to change that. That matter how doesn't matter. The best they can do is avoid it. They can't actually change the weather. Yeah, that's just a fact of their environment. There's not like a bunch of alternate futures where it doesn't continue to snow like that. No, that's cool. But it showed some pretty good sort of how Garnet and this time Stephen would plan for such consequences. So we get sort of, if we take our time, then we end up screwing around and losing the van and getting Connie in too late. Okay. If we don't try to leave the van, then Connie's dad will crash into us. So we can't do either of those things. So we have to not stay in the van, just not get in the van too late to avoid getting stuck in the first place and so on. Yep. I wondered at the beginning there where when they mentioned Garnet having future vision, I wondered if she objects to that. Like if considering how kind of secretive she is and how long it took her to tell Steven that, I, you know, I wondered if she would have a problem with it if somebody just said, oh, by the way, Garnet has future vision. You know, like, does she care? She didn't seem to. But, you know, like Steven just tells Connie, I guess, everything. So it's hard to tell when she's being secretive and when she's just not saying stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. I guess I interpreted it as a little bit like resistance since she went back and forth about whether she was going to tell him at the beginning of the Future Vision episode when it's like, are you going to tell me something cool about yourself? She's like, no. (laughs) But, you know, she shouldn't have any reaction to that. It's just, I guess I'm kind of relating it to my own experience with things like, oh, I told somebody this in a different context where I felt safe telling them something, you know, and then somebody's just going to tell somebody else, oh, she's queer. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't think I didn't come up to them. I came up to you. So <laughs> I just wondered that she didn't seem to be particularly private. About yeah. It, but... Well, also this time she did do her future vision to an extent in front of Stephen right. and Connie. So th- this would be the equivalent of heavily alluding to queerness or possessing <laughs> it right in front of these other people. Sure. So this other person or Stephen could be assuming, oh, if we're going that close, obviously it's a thing we can say. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think when you're dealing with Stephen and Connie, if you're going to do that in, fr- in front of them, then while it's ultimately Stephen doing the telling, you did pretty much dangle it in front of him and say, try this, try this, try this. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. But I just had a thought about, like, I wonder if there are, she didn't say anything to him, like, hey, this is a secret, which I feel like he would keep secrets, but that he just kind of freely tells Connie things. Yeah, I think that's also a thing. If he doesn't know it's a secret, he can't keep it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason that he should have had to feel like he should should keep that from her. And again, there's the whole standing in front of them and seeing the future part, which... Right, (laughs) Yep. It's a bit like in the coming in the coming out example, it would be like if she 
was smooching her girlfriend in front of her. By the way, <laughs> she dates women. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, I'm still loving Stephen and Connie's friendship that sometimes almost tips into romance, but doesn't quite get there. Yeah. Which somehow makes it feel even more pure. I agree. And innocent, if you like. Very much so, especially like you, we need to get more examples of characters like them who are sharing very meaningful, intimate moments like that silence in the snow. But, you know, they're both in their nightclothes and they're inside somebody's house and stuff. But his dad is right there. It's not like there's anything indecent going on, like they're sneaking around. It's just they're sharing a moment. It's very sweet. Yeah, and then they're not even physically together. She's on the floor. He's still in the sleeping bag or whatever on the sofa. Yeah, and then the opening moment where they're sitting in front of the fire just enjoying their time together and eating marshmallows. It's very sweet and, like you said, pure, yeah, adorable. And there's something unadulterated joy in finding out how marshmallows work. <laughs> Good job not setting that one on fire, which, of course, means he did do that shortly before. <laughs> And that Stephen, mm. at this point, thought that marshmallows were just made of marshmallow. Right. You just pluck them off a tree somewhere. <laughs> she said animal byproducts. He's like, like poop? <laughs> no, Stephen, you're not eating poop. Yeah, I thought she was going to launch into a vegan or vegetarian thing there. But no, she she's just disliking describing stuff. Yeah. She's stuffing her mouth with them and saying bone marrow. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> Maybe if her mum being a doctor, she's well adjusted to some of the more quote unquote grosser things that are part of life. While attributing marshmallows goodness to these animal byproducts. <laughs> yep. Mm. So we had a confirmation in this one that he is still grounded for a thousand years from watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> he's, that's why he's not watching the weather report. Needs <laughs> oh. mm. some countdown on the wall or something ticking down to 999 years and 350 days or whatever goodness that would be a depressing countdown for a really long time all of the shows that you like will probably be cancelled by then (laughs) even the simpsons yeah Yeah. you noticed his cute little sweater little departure i guess the sort of bluish color with stars across it yeah and even though they weren't exactly the same I noticed his and Connie's full outfits had the complementary colours. Per- the bluest, the bluest purple, both pale. They're cute together. I liked seeing their little winter outfits too. Yeah, I, I had fun with that. And also showing that the gems don't need that. Oh yeah, Greg's parade of outfits was adorable too. So oh, yeah. funny. And they kept putting all the outfits onto snowman that they built while they were screwed around. <laughs> I, I thought his outfit was with the Henley shirt looked plenty responsible, but then he's trying to get this impression from a couple of 11 year olds or whatever. So, yeah. So he's going into the van and stripping and putting on other clothes out in the snow. I mean, it's his dressing room and it's his kitchen and it's everything. Yeah. Well, when we see them having dinner later, the van just looks plenty bigger on the inside. A little bit. It's a pretty big van and there's lots of space in there. But if you had to live in it, it'd be pretty crowded. Maybe Rose did some... That opened up more when you went inside of it. Maybe Rose managed to do some magic to it while she was still around that made it more roomy. Oh, what an idea. I guess she does specialize in even being able to make the inside of a lion's mane into a space. Well, there you go. So, you know, making the inside of a van a bit roomy, easy. No weird glow and you can breathe inside, when she first met him, she probably, he probably said, this is my, where I live in this van. And she saw this poky little hole and just sort of thought, well, you're not supposed to use it for personal gain, but it would be cramped. Oops, I just did a gem thing and made it bigger somehow. <laughs> we have all kinds of weird head cannons popping up. At the- she can make space inside herself for a baby. She can make space inside a van. Why not? <laughs> Every once in a while, if a bunch of gems come through from some other planet, then you're just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> or lions, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're deep enough into lion's dimension, you come out in the back of Greg's van. Just find yourself crawling out of what used to be the ashtray or something. <laughs> yeah. So they were cooking in there on the waffle iron. And I don't know, it seemed like, it seemed a little strange to me because waffles are not really a non-perishable kind of thing, like the stuff that you would need to make waffles. You wouldn't really be having them sit around in a van. So maybe he has a little mini fridge in there that we've never seen. Could do. Maybe they were pre-made waffles. Could be. Like Eggos or something. 
Yeah, they did have, you know, the eggs that they cooked on there. Although I thought for a long time that eggs are, you know, always need to be refrigerated and are very perishable. But in a lot of places, they don't refrigerate them and they're fine. Yeah. In fact, here, well, for some reason, last night I was reading about why they refrigerate eggs in some places, not others. But here, yes, I know some people refrigerate their eggs and some people just keep them in a basket on the counter. So maybe part of it is how often you use your eggs. Mm-hmm. In the supermarket, the eggs are usually like next to the free freezer section. So they get a bit of the sort of remaining cold, but aren't actually fridged themselves. Yeah. Where I shop, they're definitely in a cold area, but the door's not shut. You know, it's open. So it's a yeah. refrigerated area with the cheese and the milk product and stuff. Yeah, similar. Or often with the often with the fruit and stuff, which should be kept coolish, but, you know, doesn't need to be act- actively fridged. Although I guess they're in the winter right now, so it's probably cold in that van. Yeah, so that's probably fine. Or maybe Greg just eats a lot of eggs, and they so it doesn't matter how long they keep because they're gone pretty quick. Yeah, so he's got that waffle iron as his stove. Oh, Greg would so totally try to do that drink raw eggs for protein thing and regret it immediately. Ooh, yeah, that that grosses me out. <laughs> so when Connie was eating, did you did you hear what she said? Which which thing she say? Right before she ate, she said, "Itadakimasu." Oh yeah, yes, I know. So <laughs> she, she knows at least one phrase of Japanese. <laughs> yep, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> blurted that out before eating yeah, which i think for a long time made people say like maybe she's part japanese but i think they already confirmed that both of her parents are indian so yeah i mean she could be ja- part japanese going further back but it seems more likely that language lessons just one of her many many extracurricular activities or even curricular activities yeah. now i think about it it's just an anime nerd <laughs> <laughs> And that, that's in so many animes that, you know, somebody eats a meal and says, eat the dakima. True, true. I got, I got like one foot in Japanese culture because of family and experience. So I guess I could be overthinking a bit. No, same, because my sister lived in Japan for eight years and mm. my brother-in-law is Japanese and my nephew is part Japanese. So I'm sure they probably say it. <laughs> I heard my sister say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my family definitely say it. So you just get used to it when everybody says it. You touched on this other thing I want to talk about when you were doing your summary, but the cell phone use was very strange in their communication. I felt like, why didn't Connie tell her parents that she was just going to sit in this van or call them before they begin trekking out there? You know, like it's very strange that they did not tell them, which made them get worried and engage in riskier behaviors. So. I don't know. I mean, use that cell phone to call emergency services or something. You're sitting in this van in the middle of a snowstorm, just like, yeah, we'll just sit here. And it's not, that's not safe, Greg. Like, Yeah. And it doesn't seem like Beach City is a sort of place where you have snowfall like that so often that you, that staying put because you'll know it'll blow over is a thing you get used to. Right. The only thing I can think of kind of in defense of Greg is he's just like, well, I'm home anyway, so I'm just going to sit here, you know, like, well, yeah. it's his home, but it's, you know, you saw the snow building up and it's like, that could cave in your roof if it gets heavy, or you could, like, Mr. Maheshwar and came down the road and slammed right into them. You could get hit, so. Yeah, maybe, maybe Connie was kind of hoping to put off talking to her parents until it was too late for them to come out, but that didn't work out. yeah. He called while he was about to reach them, slammed into them. It's just, I don't know. If cell phones exist, use them to communicate with your worrying parents. And given the assertions everyone casts on his ability in this episode, I'm wondering if he was also using his phone while he was driving, which wouldn't have helped. Seemed like he was because they were saying, we're right in front of you. And he's, and then they hear him talking back. So he must have been driving in the snow with his phone. Come on, Mr. Maheshwar, and you're better than that. I guess he isn't. <laughs> he's not all about safety, is he? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're being attacked for your driving ability, you're like, I'm going to prove that I can do it. Shut up, dude. Just be safe. Yeah, this obviously isn't the first time the Maheshwarans have had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that where Connie's right at the beginning. She's like, oh, no, don't send that. <laughs> and we don't know why yet, but <laughs> we find out. <laughs> oh, well. 
I was really sad when the first future happened. We didn't know it was going to repeat where just they had destroyed their credibility. And it was just so sad, like so nightmarish and awkward. They're in this house and they stuck having to stay over there while the Mahesh was mad at them. Connie's sick. And it's that was a bad plan too, though, walking all that way without telling anyone. Well, yeah, that would have thought if your van's been snowed in solely, you'd at pretty much risk of just getting buried in snow. Yeah, pretty much. They're probably lucky in that version that she only got a bit of a cold. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Some of the ways that, uh, you know, being out in the cold or in the rain and then all of a sudden you're immediately sneezing. It's like, not really how colds work, but. mm. It's how they work in TV land. So I gave him that one. Yeah. I mean. She's a doctor. I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. She knows. She caught a cold in the few hours that they were out in the cold. Though I guess like the idea is that it'll erode your ability to have all your body resources to fight colds that you are encountering so eh, so and they might have worried that the kids don't understand what hypothermia is yeah (laughs) so when steven was throwing his dad's keys and connie's phone into the snow like stop throwing things (laughs) i think i've mentioned that before i hate when people throw phones away yeah, it's like that still has use. Yeah. I mean, if you hang up on your parent, fine, but don't throw it. <sighs> yeah. I mean, Greg's keys, maybe. I mean, there are other, there are probably other ways to get into Greg's van, but the cell phone <laughs> has a very here and now use, many of them. Yeah. Hmm. I think Stephen just fell in love with solving his problems by throwing them into snowdrifts. In that future, anyway. At least that didn't really happen. Yeah, that might be another oh. lesson he learned. Don't don't throw things into the snow because you think <laughs> they're a problem. Yeah. But speaking of other things that we're glad didn't happen, that thing with when they come home and the gems are trying to do some. I love stuff like that where you see what they're up to when you otherwise wouldn't have known what they were up to. They were trying to send. That was the shooting star from Monster Buddies. Oh, right. For something. I guess their idea is they were going to destroy the whole galaxy warp, is what they said. Garnet already smashed that that homeworld platform, so I wonder how much more destroyed do you have to get it? Well, I guess there's destroyed, and then there's like, we totally blew it up and threw the bits everywhere destroyed. Yeah, which I guess, you know, since they did not come home and interrupt this, it's kind of implied that they did do it, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. And in, and this is obviously pretty hardcore because they're actually warping it in, they're not just warping in themselves, dropping it off and warping out again. So maybe it's going to break it at a far more fundamental level than just smashing up the pad. Yeah. I like that little nod to like the meta plot going, still going on behind the scenes that the gems are still working on trying to prevent homeworld gems from coming. And, you know, they're still pretty preoccupied with this, even though Steven is like, oh, I want to hang out with my best friend and eat marshmallows and watch the snow, you know. Not really thinking about the bigger problems very much. Yeah, and underscores that there could yet still be ways that the homeworld gems could get around the broken warp problem and get yeah. to Earth. That It might sound a bit of pa- paranoia from Pearl, but a lapis left without the galaxy warp, so mm-hmm. stands and to reason that there could be some other way to come if they just... I don't know if they have spaceships by now or something that can just, I was going to say get here the old fashioned way, but it's a spaceship. So the more direct route. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Her dot's robots must have come here from space. So she sent robots. Yeah. That's the impression I got at the time that obviously, well, not obviously, but it seemed to me that with the warp block, they could send the pair of bots straight out into space and pick up from the other end, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, hmm. It's really intriguing that Garnet can pass her powers on with a kiss. Yeah, that's... That's crazy. Yeah, and I wonder, does it have to be a kiss or is this just a form of emotionally intimate contact she knows she can perform with Stephen as she's his guardian, auntie, parent, whatever? Uh-huh. Can she pass it on to others? Does one have to be a human gem or even a gem at all? Yeah, those are good questions. Follow-up questions! And I wonder if everyone can just pass their powers on for a bit. Right. Yeah. I'm going to ask a speculative question that will kind of be on this subject, I guess. Do you think that she has to like intentionally 
pass her powers on through the contact? Or do you think that like this is kind of an accidental thing, almost like the way Steven accidentally healed Connie's eyes because that's what happens? Like, do you have any thoughts on that or whether how she might have found out she could do that? <laughs> well, it seemed to be pretty active because... Uh, intentional. Uh, yeah, an active rather than passive, an intentional thing in that... She's had contact with Stephen many, many times before, and he's not suddenly disappeared into a bunch of future visions. Mm-hmm. And right. indeed, kissed him in such a way without passing on powers. So it doesn't tell us whether it has to be a kiss or if that's just sort of close and intimate enough to do to do the job. And it's one. It suggests mm-hmm. that she can. Know, she knows she can perform on Steve on Stephen, and that's why she did it. Mm-hmm. He didn't suddenly go. Why are you kissing me now? <laughs> yeah. All he said was, that ah, tickles. Yeah, and <laughs> at first we were a bit, oh, she just sort of gemmed up at the moment and got a bit of leakage when she kissed him. But no, it's very much a deliberate act. Yeah. As to how she found out she could do it, it's a, it's a bit, I guess that goes to a broader question of how much do gems have to learn their powers as yeah. non-human <laughs> gems, not Stephen gems, and how much they just kind of know, I mean... Right, because all we really know is Stephen is learning how to do these things and being surprised by his own powers, but do regular gems have ever have that happen? Or does she just know innately that she could do it? Yeah, especially because they seem to be, what we've seen, although we haven't actually had it made 100% clear, it seems that they're born or created mature. So Steve, Stephen learning his powers is as much because he is being a child and have to grow to mature to adulthood. So right. if they are born mature is that including complete with understanding their power set and learning how to walk and talk and all the rest i mean we saw amethyst fits snugly in her birth hole in her adult form so this shows that it's un- unlikely that they develop phys- physically much they probably have to learn the ropes of the world because we've seen them doing that but how much inbuilt knowledge they come out of their rocks with is still up for grabs so Did she she instantly, when she was formed, go, I know I can do future vision and make Hulk hands, and I know I can pass on the future vision through a kiss, and I know that's because I am garnished, because, and I know I am garnished, which is another thing I now know. Right, yeah. Suddenly coming out, having known everything you ever need to know about the basics of your life. And, and of course, another question is, does does the recipient have to be a human gem, a Stephen, if you will, could could she temporarily give Pearl future vision? Could 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 one of the others temporarily pass on one of their powers to Stephen, or indeed to anyone else? I mean, we we saw the amethyst was trying to teach Stephen shape shifting. So, but that we don't know if she would have had the choice to pass on the power of just teaching him was the entire point anyway. So that wouldn't have done any good. And she says for a few moments, I'm guessing it's just a temporary thing and they can't just stack up power after power after power like Silar or something. Yeah, he's not going to just have future vision from now on. Yeah, and I guess also harks back to the actual future vision episode where she said she was trying to get close to him and maybe she thought this is a less painful, less drastic way to share the experience by sharing it more literally when he's in because the entire time he's in no real danger except for a bit of shock and confusion because while he's having all these visions, only about a second is passing and he's just standing there in the living room. Right. There seemed to be pretty much nothing happening. Like, it's not like anyone commented, wow, you were standing there for 20 minutes hallucinating, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, we seem to come back and there seemed to be no yeah. danger to him. He was, a bit, he was a bit stunned, but he didn't collapse in exhaustion or become withered or anything like that so well he had to move right away because to get connie home <laughs> yeah so in so, the, so the net benefit was better because he didn't get he didn't get sick and his friend didn't get sick and he didn't get buried in the snow yep it's funny because there's there's a lot of fan fiction and head cannons about garnet being able to pass future vision on with a kiss I mean, as you could probably imagine that, you know, there's very imaginative interpretations of that. Like, oh, what if, you know, what if the entire show is Garnet kissing Rose and she's hallucinating the future, you know, and that's our show or something, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't like things like that because it's too much like, and then it was all a dream, but 
people yeah. like to talk about that. But I like it more when, you know, people make up scenarios where Garnet doesn't know that she could do that. And she kisses someone, you know, could be any situation where she'd kiss someone and all of a sudden they have all these terrible visions of people dying and stuff. And she's just like, well, not going to kiss anyone. There are a string of people she's driven mad over the centuries just because they, they're just stuck to seeing images of the end of themselves and their friends and the world over and over. Did she kiss some poor sod in like, 1850 and they just collapsed with visions of the great war or something i guess you know her being able to do that and then stephen being able to heal essentially with kisses what is some kind of i feel like they're almost related like this idea that you can share with that so you know what if when amethyst kisses you can turn into an animal (laughs) that would be cool amethyst kisses you can eat junk food you can eat something that should kill you (laughs) literal garbage <laughs> win wrestling matches pull a whip out of your chest <laughs> pearl, pearl does it just become a really good cleaner <laughs> something like that <laughs> this is funny <laughs> i guess that's that's my probing question yeah and i feel it does it it opens potentially a lot or if this is just a single situation thing potentially no possibilities huh <laughs> <sighs> It usually feels like they have to introduce the idea that she can do something so that they can use it later. But then there's, I mean, yes, we're still in season one. I feel like the show is sometimes more about experiences and interactions than it is about now we have to plant this plot point to make sure that it's usable later. So feels like it could go either way. <laughs> and if Stephen could do it, it'd probably still be very unstable. Hmm. It seems like, especially if, you know, Garnet's had as long as she's had to be able to refine and learn how to best use her interpretations from future vision, it would be a very long time before Steven could responsibly use it. <laughs> well, yeah, the bubbling and shielding things, the only ones he seems to have a proper grip on. Now, I mean, we saw the effects of him not even trying to do his mother's make plants animate power. Hmm. Yeah, true. So, you know, could he accidentally pass that on and that person is just then unable to try to eat vegetables because they keep jumping out of their hands? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just hope that Stephen isn't bringing back to life all of the plant life he's eating. Yeah, yeah. Don't eat sunflower seeds, Stephen. You'll be like barfing up sunflowers. Yeah. <laughs> you should <laughs> lean against a tree and it just poison ivy. Oh, yeah. Ooh, boy, that's going to send my imagination somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess in at least in the case of what he did with the watermelons, the seeds were exposed to his saliva and then were kind of sitting around for a while. Mm. So it was at least overnight. So it didn't happen immediately. So maybe they get digested before that can happen. <laughs> sure hope. Having magical biology has got to be worrisome. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's some predictability. It's some ways like magical puberty. Ooh. Oh, I don't mean. <laughs> That'd be like, well, we kind of saw that in so many birthdays when he got old really fast. <laughs> yeah, we're still in a point of Stephen where he sort of gets a rough and doesn't quite work properly version of a power before he can really have a proper try at it. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. And we saw that the defense bubble now more works probably as it's supposed to. Yeah. But that took some work. He was completely stuck in it for a while, which is obviously not how it's supposed to work. Yes. Yeah. Is there even a power that he has demonstrated that didn't kind of get him in trouble first? Feels like maybe the only thing that really didn't get him in trouble first was bubbling gems. Mm. I'd say it's I was going to say it's hard to get that wrong, but goodness knows, I'm sure if they really wanted to, they could show that going wild. Yeah. Like putting a bubble around his own hand and then teleporting it to the temple and getting yanked through space. (laughs) I wonder if he could do that to like send himself home. That'd be, that'd be cool. I mean, I guess it seems like when Garnet did it to him in Monster Buddies, she had to do it from outside. But it, yeah, that's definitely a good question as to whether if he bubbled himself, he could use that to teleport himself. But I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I was going through in my head while watching the various futures in this one that for, for all the array of gem powers and technology, they don't really have any readily available quick transport ability that they could have because i was thinking they have some way to just quickly get everyone to connie's place and then back again and 
the answer is no, basically. Yeah, not without a warp pad or if Lion is... Yeah, I wondered if Lion was going to kick in, but obviously, well, I guess he's hibernating. Yeah, he's probably somewhere warm. He's probably gone back to where they found him. Do lions hibernate? I get mad. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think lions hibernate now that you say that. I thought it was mostly bears. But imagine that the desert where Lion is probably from is probably pretty comfortably warm at any yeah. time of year. Yeah, maybe he just snipped back there for the winter. Well, I've heard that it can get cold in deserts at night. That's that's true. Well, maybe his thing about doing what Stephen needs rather than what Stephen wants means that he take one look at the bliss and just go, uh-uh. Yeah, he just nopes out. I haven't seen Lion since yeah. the last time. We saw him in the test, didn't we? He was sleeping. Yeah, that's right. He was, he was just hanging around. Yeah, I was like just going backwards from this in my head. Like, when did we see Lion? You haven't seen him since the test, which is 38 and we're on 42 now. Yeah, well, I'm also convinced that Lion has his own activities he gets up to when we don't see him. 100%. <laughs> that in, in, some other, in some other world, people are watching Lion Universe and going, oh, his human boy's in this one. <laughs> yes, Lion Universe spin-off. Lion 4, <laughs> the show. He, he has a focus comic. Again, not canon, but one of the writers decided to make an entire comic about what Lion does. He's on his own. That sounds cool. Yeah, is one of my favorite comic artists. I believe Grace Craft wrote that, and she's pretty cool. Lion Adventures. So there's almost no dialogue. It's just Lion running around doing stuff, <laughs> doing liony things. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> Very quick read because of that. I'm just like, okay. Mm, 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 yeah. mm, mm, mm. Those are pretty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes, yeah, so if we're talking about cats again. Yeah, you're a small lion. <laughs> or maybe lions are big cats. Both are true. <laughs> But you're not pink. You're silver and tan. What's your roar like? <laughs> we've heard the closest thing she does to a roar when she got annoyed at the vet. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like this. Wow, nice impression. It's pink cat. <laughs> yeah, she probably just thinks I have hideous language. Bad grammar, your and pronunciation. Last, last time she did that at the vet, it set off the voice command on his smartwatch. <laughs> so she was, what? She was like, now dialing Susan Stannis. What? That's ridiculous. That's amazing. I love that. Which means this is why I don't have a smart products. <laughs> I think I just want them to be too dumb to understand me. Yeah, so sometimes she has to have a little calm down tablet, which we've nicknamed Rampunctinol. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. What other winter forecasty things do we have to talk about before I tell you things about food and stuff? Um, this is one of those almost direct sequel episodes because it's essentially yes. Division 2. Done, done a couple of those to pick up and a minus of a concept, which probably means Future Vision is going to be the power that is going to be a significant thing going forward that they've sort of had one introducer and one reminder episode thus far. Mm-hmm. We didn't just get into a significant plot episode later and drop in, oh, Garnet has Future Vision. Yeah. Yeah. We got that. Oh. He's done. <laughs> the cat is sick of us. Yeah. Oh, I see. There's there's a belt on the ground that needs to be sniffed desperately. <laughs> Serious business, right? Yeah. <laughs> belt that needs to be sniffed. I wonder what a cat would think of my home. She definitely, just from what I can see in the usual view at least, she definitely have a lot to investigate. She definitely okay. try. She would select things on on your shelf that, she, that are hers. I see. Just like she decides some of the things on my shelf are worthy of attention and some are just to be ignored. Yeah, I definitely do not have a pet-friendly or child-friendly home because there are so many things on shelves that, I mean, they'll fall off if you walk past them too quickly. She would, um, like, your, she would like your desk, what seems to be a desk. Oh, I think what you can see in the view right now is over, over back there. Yeah a drafting table where I do art. So ah. there's a lot of papers there to play with and shred and throw on the ground. Yeah, she would clear herself a nice a nice spot there and oh, I think so. then, then go into loaf mode. <laughs> yeah, it's an angled surface, but it's definitely suitable for a cat. So actually was my, my office room here, which is where I'm broadcasting from, is it was invaded by a large frog once. And the frog popped onto that table and knocked some of my art off. So I found it in the bathroom later. <laughs> we, get fro- it- we get frog invaders in our sunshine state too. Oh, 
I've had two toilet frogs over time. Like they mm-hmm. hang out in the, like they don't come from the toilet, but somehow they get in. Mm-hmm. And, but for a couple of days before I found the frog, I found evidence of the frog and I didn't know what had been knocking stuff off of things. Cause as mentioned, you know, I live by myself and I don't have cats. I don't have any pets. So there's no reason why things should be being thrown around like a poltergeist is <laughs> visiting. <laughs> so I was like, what's going on here? And this is not a room that I sleep in. I sleep on the other end of the house. So usually it'd be happening sometime while I'm sleeping and I wouldn't hear it. You know, somehow we're now talking about my toilet frogs. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> yeah, that is just the sort of thing that happens in Queensland, especially as you go further north. And frogs. by chance, yep, and by chance that is also nicknamed the Sunshine State. So funny. <laughs> the parallels. <laughs> Yeah, Florida is kind of known for weird wildlife, I guess. You know, mostly, I guess, the reputation that we have is really terrible bugs and the alligators. We got crocodiles, but they're in another state, mostly. Nice. And you definitely have them here anywhere that there's swamps or rivers. They hang out. I went canoeing on a river relatively near where I live, and there was, I don't even know how many gators. They're just there, you know. We were close to them and they didn't do anything, but they're a little scary. I just took some pictures. <laughs> yeah. We generally warned not to try to mix it up with the crocodiles. Mm, yeah. Let's see. We also have the lizards. There's lots of lizards here. So they love yeah. to hang out on the patio. Yeah. <laughs> get some we get some of them down to my my previous house there were a couple of lizards used to just chill out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite of chilling out given they're lizards. Yeah. I saw a video once where someone had taken live lizards and put them on her earlobes like earrings and they oh. clamped on. And she was just wearing them. <laughs> I guess if the lizards are con- content to just clamp themselves on, then good for them, I suppose. They bit, you know, that my, my younger sister got bit by a lizard on the finger once and she didn't like it, even though they don't really have sharp teeth. But it was, I guess, disconcerting because she was holding it and she was enjoying it. And then it grabbed her finger. <laughs> she didn't like that. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Not experienced, but I've seen it. Yeah, I'm not. I think we hadn't really lived in the state for very long at that point. We had moved from the more northern state of North Carolina, and we had moved to Florida in 1989. So that is when we began exploring our lovely relationship with the lizard population. <laughs> oh, lizards. Yeah, every once in a while I find them in my house. Too. <laughs> but more often it's mosquitoes get in or love bugs or spiders yeah mosquitoes and spiders here too yeah mosquitoes love me i haven't had the pest issue that steven seems to have with either seagulls or snake people no (laughs) different wildlife in beach city (laughs) well we don't know what all those gems and things are doing to the ecosystem we certainly don't If only I had known that! We got factoids for this one? I don't think I have very many. It was another Lamar and Helen episode. I can tell you that. Let me see what we got for the description for the episode was. Let me find that. It was... Yeah. Ah, yes. Steven has to get Connie home before it snows. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Implies anything could happen. I guess it did several times over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I wrote this down because I wrote it underneath this so that I wouldn't forget. And I had completely forgotten. But I have another share from Ronaldo's blog regarding this episode, even though he wasn't in it. He often, you know, would post something that's relevant, even if he wasn't in the episode, to show that he had been affected by stuff. And there's no direct correlation, but there was a weird little animation of him crying on it, like just a kind of low res animation of him just crying big cartoon tears. It was... And it's about regrets. And so he had written this description. I'll read it to you. It says, sometimes I think about all the bad decisions I've made and how they've affected my life. And I wish I could go back in time and change them. So clearly a reference. But unless I can find a way to break into the Pentagon and steal a time bite, I'm just stuck (laughs) having regrets. So here are my top five regrets for you. One, thinking my little brother Petey was a gray and trying to perform my own alien autopsy on him. Sorry. Whoa. (laughs) Number two, spending $300 on a replica sword from the OAB Beautiful Girlfriend Satan. What a waste. I should have spent $600 on the replica sword from the anime Samurai Friend Zone. <laughs> they had this in Three. the first half, not going to lie. Yeah. Three, not making all my Zanga posts private. Ugh, I was going through a phase. <laughs> 
Four, picking the wrong side in the console wars. I bought so many peripherals. And five, my tattoo. Don't ask. <laughs> so, Ronaldo has a tattoo. <laughs> I won't ask. Yeah, and somewhere we haven't seen on him yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess he's not one for stripping down and running around like Steven and Frybo. No. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I think that's it for my factoids. I couldn't really think of anything about this one that was particularly of note. So one thing I liked was in the Future Vision episode, they had like a Future Vision theme and they reused it in this one and like a slightly changed version while they were, I think it was playing when the van was going home or going to Connie's house successfully in the real world, not in a Future Vision. They, they played the kind of jazzy version of it. There were no straight up songs. Although Steven did take up that guitar and start to strum and say, like, any requests? And Connie wanted a song about a snack monster. Yeah, I wondered so, if yeah. we were going to get a full song, but no, I guess... It teased us. Yeah. I believe background music-wise, they used some of the Connie theme at certain points. But the main thing I remember that I never found out a title for was there was a cute little jazzy something playing while Greg was changing his outfits. And I never found out what the name of that dang song is. This little montage music while he was trying on the different outfits. Cute. (laughs) Yeah, I did enjoy the Greg fashion show. Indeed. (laughs) Oh, oh, he had a shirt on that was a, sort of a Stevenie shirt he put on. <laughs> yeah, he basically dressed like his son for one of those rounds. <laughs> that would have been an interesting thing for him to show up in. <laughs> that, oh, we that, share clothes, your judgment. <laughs> that might have been creepier to the parents than the disco suit. <laughs> but he did make the right choice with the cherry sweatshirt. Yeah, I did kind of like that after all that fuss that the dad's just kind of, oh, you know, nice sweater. Yeah. Sure, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's no, because in the real world, there never was this fashion show. So only Steven realizes what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I'm remembering that scene. And I remember some people talking about like the, they had thought only Steven did the star eyes thing. But in that one, Greg did the star eyes. So. Well, he has to get yeah. it from somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, his dad's Mr. Universe. Of course, he's got stars. His yeah. eyes. Red- hereditary, right? Yeah. We saw it. <laughs> Well, presumably the same one. We saw a star, a star shirt amongst his pile of stuff in his van. Mm-hmm. Oh, clearly getting sleepy over here. I keep yawning. <laughs> but that's because we usually do these when it's pretty late at night for me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Although it looks a little bit dark where you are. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I was getting lit from the window and all of a sudden clouds came and rain kicked in just like in the past 10 minutes. <laughs> You're in the darkness. Uh, and Oliver's taken to guarding me against the rain. Yeah, against the rain and in case anyone needs a belt sniffed. Yeah, she's at attention <laughs> at the windowsill, staring at the rain. I'm glad that you have a feline guard. Uh-huh. Big bad rain. <laughs> mm. oh. Food this week was just the waffles and the marshmallow. I did do waffles and I did do marshmallows, but I'm going to talk about the waffles first because it's easier. <laughs> um, a waffle egg sandwich. I did not go and get a waffle maker that looks like Greg's. I used the one that I have, which happens to be a smaller square waffle maker. But you'll have to forgive me that my waffles are square and not round like theirs. Because I guess I'm a bad fan. <laughs> I did not go out and buy equipment. Well, Greg should be round because he's no square man. That's right. But I guess I'm into squares. Do you, you know, usually just crack eggs directly onto the waffles? One does not usually do such things, and I found out why. <laughs> because you get egg burnt straight onto your waffle iron? It wasn't so much that as that it was very difficult to lift the egg off. It did not cook evenly, and it definitely wormed into the crevices of the waffle texture. It was quite difficult to lift out with a spatula, although it tasted fine. Yeah. Um, I did, not pretty. I thought it had happened. I just wondered if that was one of those cross-cultural things like the kettles yeah it is certainly not something i would repeat if i had my choice i don't think eggs are made to be like that or maybe if you had a waffle maker that didn't that had more shallow pattern to it or something but mine were pretty deep yeah i've got a sandwich maker which is essentially the same thing but the because the crevices well it doesn't have like the waffle pattern if you will as a lot of people use them to make omelets because you can just tip them in an a come out easily yeah you can't close the top of the waffle maker on top of the egg either because 
he doesn't do that. So, but mm. I did make my own waffles from, I usually, you know, you can use a waffle mix, but I just make my own like mm. with flour, baking powder, salt. Done that. Together, you know, throw it into, I guess you melt the butter, add eggs. I use two eggs. What else? Vanilla and I think oil. No, there's butter. Butter or oil. Oh, and milk. I put- <laughs> when I did it, there was sugar as well, but maybe the vanilla stands in for that. Oh, you know, did I use sugar or not? I think I did not, but I'm sure that some commercial waffles use sugar as well. Huh. Yeah, I don't remember using sugar with it. But anyway, it was it was actually really tasty though as a sandwich. Like I never had thought of putting an egg on a waffle and eating it like that. And it was quite good. So, yeah, I figured that I love was it. Yeah, I figured the filling was egg. Yes, but I didn't manage to make up a song about a snack monster who loves mm-hmm. animal byproducts. So, <laughs> so yeah, I just ate it with no musical accompaniment. <laughs> Not in the back of a van either. <laughs> just did it in my kitchen. Ugh, I'm obviously such a bad fan. You're next to scarring classifieds for a van. You can decorate up into a Mr. Universe van to complete the experience. <laughs> There's a person who's known for detailing their van as Mr. Universe's van and going to like conventions and stuff. Must have spent so much money doing that. Looked really good. Probably has a similar experience to my friend who has a DeLorean. Oh, wow. Oh, but speaking of the animal byproducts, this is where I had an issue when I tried to make marshmallows. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat gelatin. And so I can't have commercial marshmallows. Mm. And this one was very much on the nose for being made of animal byproducts too. Yeah. I mean, I frequently use vegetarian substitutions Mm. for everything from the veggie dog for a hot dog to making a fake fish for Island Adventure. So, I mean, I'm okay with it if I am using vegetarian or vegan versions of things, but I did a fairly extensive marshmallow making project and it was quite a journey. Yeah. So homemade marshmallows if i may indulge my listeners ears here with a description of what goes into this crap it was like a four-part process to make damn marshmallows you know that you can just Mm. buy at the grocery store actually you can buy vegan ones too but Uh, i've seen those because they used to be a vegan supermarket right next to me Mm -hmm. i have had commercial ones in my hot chocolate and stuff like a few christmases ago i was wanting it for that but I had never tried making them. And one year my sister made them and made some vegan marshmallows, but they did, she didn't like how they turned out. I thought they tasted fine, but they were not very solid. And we wanted to roast them on my mom's fireplace. So it didn't quite turn out how it was intended. So, but my process with making these involved something that sounds really bizarre to a lot of people. So, that, okay, there's there was four parts to it, which I named them. I just kind of made it up. There's, I made four separations into like sort of stages for this. Did the first part is the whip, the syrup, the gel, and the dust. <laughs> so the whip is the weird part because it is made of. You have to find some kind of binding agent because mm, you know usually gelatin, but we're not gelatin, doing gelatin, right? So I would mix xanthan gum or guar gum with the, uh, you can get that at like a health food store, gourmet grocery or whatever, but I've never really found it in sort of typical everyday grocery stores. But yeah, I've, um, I've seen stuff labeled as vegetarian or vegan gelatin, but it's probably one of those, and it's just called gelatin for yeah. so people know what it is, I guess. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. But I got xanthan gum and that, but then I got, do you know what aquafaba is? No, I've heard it before, but I can't place it. It is the brine inside of a can of chickpea. Oh, that's specific. Yes. So you can buy a can of garbanzo beans or chickpeas, whatever they call them, where where you happen to regionally be. And you crack the can and, you know, they're stored in liquid. You can use that liquid to whip into something that's very similar to egg whites. It's weird that that works, but a lot of vegans are using it today to substitute for egg whites and other things. And in my case whipped it together with the xanthan gum. And, I will um, keep that in mind because I've got a lot of vegan and vegetarian friends that I eat with. Yeah. And it's cool. Cause I mean, it was my first time working with it and it went very well. It's just was, like I said, kind of an involved process where, so, you know, I measured out something like half of half a cup of the water and whipped it in my mixer like you would with egg whites. So I used half a cup of that and half a teaspoon of the xanthan gum and some lemon juice. I don't remember how much I added for the lemon juice, but I'll put it in my visual version at least. I think it was also half a teaspoon. I'm not sure what it's for, but that was something that was referenced several times when I was looking up resources to synthesize this into one recipe. So like you whip it for like a couple of minutes, it turns into 
something that holds its shape, which is when you can stop. Oh, and I added vanilla extract to it. And it kind of turned into like soft peaks, if you know what that is in baking, like got really stiff. So the second part was this syrup, which is very candy makers would recognize a lot of the stuff that I'm saying as I used a candy thermometer because you're trying to hit this very specific temperature for, I put like a cup of water, cup of sugar, was it a cup each? Yeah, a cup each of water and sugar and some corn syrup. I believe I used a third of a cup of corn syrup to get it between, in candy making, they talk about the soft ball and the hard ball temperature. It's kind of between those two that I was aiming for. A long time ago, I experimented with candy stuff. So I had a candy mm. thermometer. For some Fahrenheit reason, it- there was a lot of candy or sweet making documentaries on here for a while. So I know some of what, I know some of what that is. <laughs> Cat has been all kinds of adventure today. Yeah, just kick me in some organs. I don't even know which ones, but that hurt. <laughs> this happens if she uses you as a springboard. Oh my goodness. Kitty cat. <laughs> yeah, so I see. Fahrenheit was just under 250, and I believe the 120 Celsius was what I aimed for on the thing. But I remember seeing that it was between these softball and hardball. Anyway, like this was the syrup that I was making. So let it get to that point and then take it off the heat immediately and start adding it to the thing I already whipped. It kind of deflates a little bit, but it shouldn't completely go all the way down. It shouldn't like flatten all the way. And it'll turn into like, it started doing really crazy things like sticking to the beaters, I guess you call them, where it was doing very strange things with the shapes. It's really cool. I think I did that for like five minutes to make sure that it was really beaten in. The last real kind of part of the marshmallow recipe was thing that I decided to call gel. And I just added another another measurement of water heated up. I believe I used like a quarter of a cup of water with agar powder, which is another thing that vegans use a lot. And I used like a, I think it was a teaspoon or so, but I'll confirm that when I post the recipe and, you know, just heat it into there. Usually like when you'd see gelatin in a recipe, you'll see this for vegan ones for jello or your jelly or whatever. So you let it sit in the water first and then you boil it and you add it to the marshmallow substance while you're beating it. That's the substance that you're going to use to, well, before you do anything with it, you have to make my last thing, which I called it the dust. It's a cup each or, you know, equal measurements. I used a cup each of cornstarch and powdered sugar, which you have to sift that stuff. It's lumpy as heck. And you know how when you eat like a typical marshmallow, it's kind of dusty. This is Mm. the same because it'll keep it from sticking. You line like a square pan with this dust, a little bit of it, not all of it, a third of it, and then dump the stuff in there. And you can use like a, a spatula to smooth it out. And then you just let it air dry for at least a couple of hours. I think most people who are not making this for weird photographs that they're going to post on their blog, like <laughs> me, are content to cut them into just squares. But I was trying to make more traditional looking ones. So I used like a cylinder to cut out marshmallow shapes. And then, of course, cut up all of the outside. I made some fun ones with small cookie cutters too, just to make little heart shaped marshmallows weird things like that. But you kind of roll them in the rest of the sugar to make sure that they're coated on all sides before you let them, you can let them air dry for like 24 hours or so before you might put them in a container because they need to have exposure to air to get that marshmallow texture. Mm. But I did end up putting them on sticks and roasting them in the fireplace. I have a fireplace here and not very often used because it is hot in Florida most of the time, but you know, and yeah, I played with them too. I played around with them did some fun things with my toys, like put them on a toothpick and put them in the hands of my Stephen and Connie figures <laughs> to reference this episode. That was an awfully involved way of making a marshmallow when you could seriously just go buy some. But because you said that you wanted to keep it in mind for vegan baking or whatever, I also want to mention that if you don't use the chickpeas for something else, you can also make those into a snack, which I did. Oh yes, so. that I've definitely done. Yay. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'm eating peanuts when I eat because, well, if listeners don't know that you can spread them on a baking sheet and roast them with salt and other things to make them delicious and they become crunchy. They're very moist when they come out of a can, but you can bake them into these crunchy, yummy snacks and they're quite tasty. So oh, good. yeah, definitely had them. They seem to be popular amongst people I know. Oh, yeah. Mm. You haven't made them yourself, though, right? No, I've used chickpeas to make other things, but I don't think I've. No, I haven't done the turn them into the roasted snack version myself. I was just going to ask if you had done it. I was going to ask if you had shelled them or not, because there's, you know, a lot of people say you should take the little husks off so that they'll bake better and not be soggy. But then other people say it doesn't make a difference. So I have only done it with the husks off. So I wondered if you had a different experience, but yeah, you haven't. So I can't ask you Mm. if people listening have gotten this far into my ramble about food. 
and maybe they'll have some opinions. <laughs> but that's that's it for the food. And I would definitely like to make marshmallows again. I haven't because it makes so much, and I do live by myself. So I'm like, oh God, there's too many marshmallows. Yeah, that's sometimes a downside of living alone. That when you make or buy yeah. things, you end up with more than you can actually use. Oh. Yeah. When I was talking to my sister earlier today, we talked about the chickpea thing because <laughs> it's like, I was just thinking about you because I was planning for this podcast to talk about my chickpeas. And, you know, she was the first person to tell me that you could do that with aquafaba because, you know, we did it one year. <laughs> she did it. I just ate them. But yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I'm glad that I didn't have mushy, crappy marshmallows. <laughs> well done. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. Brand spanking new mint inbox. All I have left is merch. What do we got? Should I merch you now? Merch me. Yeah, so since we were in a winter episode, and I did comment that Steven even had a change of wardrobe with his little gem sweater. I believe you actually can buy that gem sweater. I think I've seen it. I don't remember if it's official merch or not. I've seen it online. I unfortunately do not have one, but I have... A different gem sweater, which I will show you now. This is official merch, and it's very cute. Oh, it's very Christmas sweatery. Yes, even though there's nothing inherently Christmassy about it, it has that look. Yeah. So it has stars and the individual gems of the gems, and then their faces, and then more gems and more stars. And two Stevens and some cookie cats. Ah, oh, yes, that's right. So it's a little bit big for me, but sweaters being big is good. Oh yeah, I'm wearing one right now, which gets a lot of use in the winter, which is. Many, many sizes too big for me. Mm. Yeah, those are nice because, I mean, if you're wearing several layers under them, they have room for that. But also because if it's big enough, it feels sort of like you're walking around in a blanket. It's very comfortable. I have that experience quite often. See, this has the Steven Universe logo on the back. So just looking at the tag, someone gave me this as a gift one year. Yeah, it says small, but I think it's one of those unisex smalls, which means big for me. (laughs) Yeah. I like it anyway. Cool. I like it but too. I do tend to wear it more around the Christmas time because it looks so Christmassy. You no, know, yeah. it's not like ornaments or anything. Yay. So that's my merge for us today. A wintry thing, even though it's summer for me. <laughs> so hot here. Oh, very, very hot. But not for you. No, it's clear again for a bit, but I can see more clouds on the horizon. Ah, yeah, brightened up. <laughs> oh, I'm getting some text messages about cake and I really want to eat cake now. <laughs> well, so do I now. Oh, see, after all this talk about waffles and eggs and marshmallows, but as soon as I say cake, it's a different story. No, it's just <laughs> the food of my people. What's that? The food of your people? Yeah. So, well, say that concludes my forecast ramble, I suppose. Anything else that we should wrap up with before we wrap, wrap, wrap up? <laughs> I think we're good. I think we've explored the possibilities and sort of mm. s- stuck a mental pin in this episode of things that may be picked up on later. Very much so. We'll be moving on to episode 43 next, which I guess we've started this trend of spoiling the titles. So should I do that? Yep, go ahead. We're not going to get anything from this one because it's called Maximum Capacity. Oh, the best I can guess is something is filled as much as it can be. Well, <laughs> that will have different meaning next time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So we'll see, I guess, everyone. Except not literally see, because we can't see you. But we'll see you next time with quote marks around it for maximum capacity. Well, thank you for tuning in. Night, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can can also also find find us on Facebook. Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Podsploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.